You're listening to All Ears with Somewhere Soul. So I am here with Emma V. Hey. Emma V, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? How's your day been? Good. It's been really chilled. I can't complain. I've just been being creative and then just getting stuff done. How about you? Um, it has been, yeah, a slow day. Still yeah. recovering from a stag do, but... <laughs> We don't need to go into the ins and outs of that. <laughs> That's okay. Just about back to normal. But yeah, I'm all good. Good, good, good. On the topic of podcasts, first off, when is the next Time of the Month podcast? Oh, wow. I miss them. I feel okay. I feel guilty about that because I'm the person that became a little bit less, um, what's the word? Not a little bit less committed, but because I started prioritizing lots of other different things at that time which i think just made it so it wasn't happening monthly it's been a few years it's probably been time like, of the year tsh- yeah it's <laughs> literally years but i did see minus um comedy and why did her name just escape my mind just now i saw ruby and marie how many days ago was it now last friday so it's like I think it's the potential for us to all come back together. It feels like closer than it has definitely for the last few years. Just at least seeing Ruby's face after so many years, maybe we can do at least one for like good times. That's exciting. Yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. Just wanted to get that off, <laughs> off my chest. Just, just, I feel guilty. You know, just selfishly, for my, <laughs> for my knowledge, I just wanted to know when the ex- next episode would be. That's okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we just started February. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to figure out and ask you about how you look ahead at a new year and whether you treat sort of New Year's in the same way people in other industries and professions do. Do you see it as a, as a fresh start? Do you set goals? Do you look back on the previous year? Things like that. Yes, kind of. I think I was preparing for 2020 to be like a big release year because I I think I created so much in 2019 that it wasn't finished. That's the one, that's the main thing. Or I was finishing so much in 2019 or starting so much as well that I just thought I've prepared I think just about everything that I want to release this year and I know and I've learned just from being in this industry for a while is that you can have all the plans for like when something should happen and it takes a couple of years for those things to like be rolled out, be finished, mixing, mastering, artwork, blah, blah, blah. It takes ages to get stuff done. So I think I spent most of last year creating stuff, putting all my ideas together just to ensure that 2020 was just release year. So... This year just looks like a lot of new music from me, some videos. And that is the main of what I wanted to do because I wanted to make sure that people just got a real understanding of what my sound was because it took a really long time for my album to come out, which was last year, which I'd actually made around 2012, 2013. So, yeah, it's crazy. Like, that's super old music. The fact that it took so many years for it to come out, it's just like, okay, 2020 is where, like, you guys get to hear at least what I sounded like in 2017 and 18. <laughs> <laughs> That's my plan, really. Wow. So you you wrote most of that album, wrote and produced in 20, 2012 and then leading up to it's, 2019? Or? It, it, was, um, it was mixed and mastered 2017. 
And then it was two years before I actually came out. Hadn't been touched in those two years. The only, I think the only songs that were that weren't made before 2014 were Confidence and Before the Night. Things like the intro, mine, I'd actually made that in 2012 for an EP that I put out in 2013 called um, Love Hater. And another song on there called Can't Get Over You, I'd actually written in 2007. I'd actually written that song in 2007 and remade it in about, I think, 2014. So it was like, it's crazy. So even the like skits and... Um, Cluck? Ooh... Okay, Vitamin C was 2016, I think, because it was just, uh, I sampled the intro. So I literally just sampled it and then looped it and then I was it was 2016, I remember that. Yeah, so some bits are like old, old, and then some bits are kind of like I sampled old stuff to make something newer, but still it took like two or three years before it actually dropped. Wow. Yeah, happens. <laughs> yeah, and was it... Was it- did you sort of forget about it? Was it always on the back of your mind that you wanted to drop it or were you just too busy creating new things? That It's a mix. Uh, I signed it to Fresh Selects, which is a label out in Portland, like a boutique label, had some really cool artists. Um, it was like, we signed, I think I signed that deal too early. That's the, like, the most honest I could be. Is I definitely signed that deal before I really knew what I wanted to do. Um before I understood what the relationship was really going to be as well. Because, like, no one's... No one... I always say no one is bad. So there's no... No one was, like, fighting or no one was, like, opposed. It just wasn't the perfect fit at the time, especially for what I wanted to do um, with my debut album. And when I would have released a debut album, I think it was all too soon. I think I still should have done like two EPs first up until this point and I would have done, I should have done my debut album I should have been working on my debut album now where I am at musically mm. so I think because I signed that deal and then it was like I knew in my mind it was all too soon I had a lot of learning to do had a lot of growing to do as a person and just musically it was like so much I took I just made everything else a priority like I was releasing so much other music um with like labels like Selection and then just independently with friends and doing loads of collaborative stuff that and I and I was also doing it just to like build up more um traction and just let people actually know who I am a little bit before I drop a debut album because if I'd released it in 2014 I think 15 when when I signed the deal the people that heard it this time around wouldn't didn't even know I existed then so it would have been mm. a strange time to release a debut album so it just I bought myself some time so was there pressure on you to release it sooner than you did? Yeah, um, definitely. It was supposed to be released 2016. Like that was when there was an original date, which just disappeared after some time. 2016 was the aim. A lot of things changed. I changed my management. Um, like I was offered a few like other kind of deals that all kind of fell through or just disappeared and stuff like that. So that just meant that any sort of like aiming for a date wasn't it just wasn't realistic mm. even if it felt like the right time because even like to be honest there's even just the audience that um I had then because it took so much time for the music to come out people grow there's like people have grown they've learned they've found other artists they've moved on they've 
got children and gotten married <laughs> so much has happened that it's just like people weren't wait, wait, weren't waiting around I think the same is for Fresh Selects because they had certain artists as well so they also had those artists audience looking at them the minute that artist goes somewhere else the audience kind of goes somewhere else because people don't often I don't think people stay around for the label they stay for the artists that are there mm-hmm. like I don't know many just normal people sitting at home that are like, oh, I'm going to go and listen to, I don't know, Excel Records. They're going to go listen to Adele or they're going to go listen to Novelist. And maybe they might be following that record label on um, social media or something like that. But they tend to be following the artists. And I found that the climate for both of us, artists and label-wise, was changing and changed significantly. Mm. Yeah. And was that a big decision for you to go with a label? Had you deliberate, deliberated being sort of independent and just doing everything yourself? Yep. Um, this is this is these are good questions because it's like <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out. I'm always interested in the the sort of the pros and cons that artists go through when they're deciding to release through a label. You know, so much has changed in the last few years. Like when I signed this deal. Being an independent artist... Okay, let's put it like this. Spotify wasn't even that popular when I signed the deal. So the idea of being independent and getting playlisted and like having lots of streams only happened on SoundCloud. So when, mm. I, was, when I got signed, I only had music out on SoundCloud at the time. And like, yep, I had lots of streams on SoundCloud. I was one of those people that like luckily was part of the big wave of SoundCloud at the time. So I was streaming in like the hundreds of thousands on songs, but it was SoundCloud. So it wasn't Spotify. It wasn't really like a household sort of thing. So the idea of being an independent artist and releasing a body of work was real. Just it could do well, but only by chance sort of thing. Like unless I had money for PR because PR was cool then and so were blogs. So it was just like, well, they are, but like blogs were, if you could get on Fader or mm. Ear Milk or Rolling Stone or like what's the other ones? Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. like there was that there was that era where it was like nothing is like nothing compares to being blogged by whatever this thing, Pitchfork or yeah, something. Yeah, Once you did yeah. that, you've made it, man. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Nine, they've given you a nine point two or something. <laughs> exactly. You're flying. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So that's the time that like. I got picked up by Fresh Selects because I had traction then on SoundCloud at least. Could get blogged. I was getting blogged and stuff like that. But there wasn't anything else. There wasn't. You couldn't look at numbers like how you can look at someone's Spotify mm. number now. Was there was there royalties then with SoundCloud? Um, no, no. Even then, it was just I was getting two hundred and fifty thousand streams. And- streams. Not one penny, but I could walk around. This is what's crazy about it. I could walk around the street. Someone would bump into me, say they know my song, but like that made me no money whatsoever. So mm. it's just like I'd have a song that was on SoundCloud for a year or something, clocked up all of these numbers, had people dancing to it around the world, blah, 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 whatever you can imagine in social media. But it wasn't like now where you actually make something from those. It's crazy. It's a different time. Yeah, so that is the crazy. one thing. you couldn't. I couldn't have been... I could. I couldn't imagine being independent, but it also wasn't the right time to sign because I mean I'd met. Um, sorry, I'm, I talk a lot. <laughs> no, that's good. Just... That's good. My 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 goal was always to <laughs> say as little as possible. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'd met with a few, a couple late labor, uh, labor major labels at the time before signing the Fresh Select deal. But it's like we'd had meetings and there weren't any deals on the table for record deals. Um, because the one thing I think I was getting, which I should have really, really paid attention to, because then I was taking it more as like rejection. But one thing 
that I was getting was like they didn't really know what to do because I had so much music that was quite like broad and I'm this like queer black girl kind of tomboyish but like I can do I'm doing like sometimes drum and bass sometimes R&B sometimes soul some a lot of the time then it was jazz and it's like and then also I'm wearing like Nike track suits. So it's not that I'm like your typical jazz singer or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It's like they didn't know what they would do. Now in 2020, there's 10 people that, there are 100 people that are like me. Do you know what I mean? So it's like people know what to do. People have been exposed to it. They've seen it. So they're not afraid. Mm-hmm. Then I would go and meet people. And like, I remember having this really, really good meet, meeting with a particular subsidiary of a major label. And like the meeting must have been three hours long it was crazy we were there in the office for three hours talking like having such a good conversation and afterwards the guy sends me the A&R there sends me an email like um I love everything that you do and I think I know I understand it but I just don't think us as a as a label would get it we I don't think the roster then was like loads of people that were charting and stuff like that it's Mm. just like it just doesn't fit there and like Obviously, for me, it was kind of like, oh, you're not trying. Or you, I mean, all you need to do, I've got the music. All you guys need to do is do the marketing and the PR side of things. But, like, now I get it more because there wasn't, like, a a concise sound or brand or product version of me. Mm-hmm. So I was just, I think I'm even still working on that now. But it makes sense to do it independently. Like, not try and have somebody else figure that out for you. And, like, no one is going to, especially at this time now where people are actually, like, building up their entire brand by themselves on just Instagram or something, blowing up independently and then being picked up. So mm. that's a lot. Yeah, it's a shame as well when you think about it that that just isn't something that would be a sensible thing to do as an artist yeah. is to be really creative in all sorts of different yeah. directions mm-hmm. like if you're thinking about the steps you have to take to get playlisted get picked up by a label yeah that is not going to involve being super experimental and trying out lots of different it's too much of a sounds yeah yeah it's like you're asking someone to kind of like bottle it all up into one thing if someone is very used to just clicking a few boxes to say where you fit in, like how a Spotify playlist works, where it's like, is this jazz or is this bossa nova? And it's like, what if it's both? What if it's that plus mm-hmm. hip hop? And yep. it's just like, no, but the the industry is like, you can't be both. It has to definitely be one. And like, is it more than, is it more bossa nova than hip hop? And it's like, if it's not, then it's just like, it just doesn't go in anywhere. It's not that it goes into both, which is a shame. It should be that like, you make something that's fusion and experimental and they just put it everywhere. But they just say there's no place for this. And that's actually just kind of like a, what's the word, like a metaphor for the entire like, how the I don't know how like marketing and stuff works. Mm. Well, at least then, not so much now. I think now you can be, whoever you want and just just as long as it's new and interesting but Mm. then it was like this doesn't work because we don't know what department would even work with you in the company then it was like okay Mm. (laughs) yeah it's almost like just people are so used to being like just fed content by like just algorithms and stuff whether it's like netflix or spotify yeah everything just needs to be like cut up into like little chunks Mm -hmm. and easy to digest and just here, here you are this is exactly what you expect exactly that people don't really seem to want any surprises even though i see some playlists and i look down them and i'm like you've got good pr because yeah <laughs> or something because i'm just like that's not 
whether it's not R&B or it's not hip-hop. Isn't I was looking at certain though? artists being like, I've just seen you in a hip-hop playlist, <laughs> a pop playlist, exactly. and an R&B playlist. Knowing that this song is neither one of any of those yeah. things is crazy. That's it, though. And it's crazy. When you say R&B, it's like, actually, an R&B playlist, other than like the really super American R&B ones, in the UK R&B playlists that are the big ones, like the Spotify editorial ones, it's very rarely actual any actual R&B in there, mm. which is really... I have a lot to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> I won't take too long. <laughs> yeah, so when, let's say you were like ticking the, the sort of boxes yeah. on your debut album. Yeah. What were the like genre boxes you were ticking in that, if you remember it's, the like upload process? It's Fresh Selects did, Kenny, he did all of that. No, oh, okay. He didn't really, he, he didn't consult me at all. So I don't know, but he it worked because he got... Because I was going to say, your music is the perfect example of it's a real fusion. There's there's a lot going. Yeah. There's a lot going on. If you just stripped away and just listened to the the drum beat. Yeah. Or then if you just listened to I don't know maybe the, the melody, the keys or something. Yeah. You wouldn't be like saying Strictly it's the same anything. genre. You'd be guessing different genres as you. Yeah. Listened. I don't know what he did. <laughs> Which has worked. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. At least it worked for burn this house and high of this. I think. Like even when I think about what burn this house sounds like originally it's like a it's kind of like a R&B ballad but at the same time because it's got like an electronic sort of um I don't know I was just in a a loud place at that time so I don't know <laughs> do you know what I mean? it was when high I, off this was that the first, first single? single it was technically I mean I hope you never break up was released five years prior to that so that was supposed to be the first single before I'd signed the deal so that was like the pre-first single but like the official first single is high off this yeah I love yeah. that one thank you it's a real much. nice old school flavour yeah yeah. and does, does the fact that you are doing sort of everything yeah does that make the whole process of creating easier or more difficult uh, depends on what I'm wanting to achieve if there's a particular like with Honeymoon it was easy to create all of those songs every song that was on there was let me just think if any there's no song on that album that took more than a day like in terms of all of the writing and the production like it wasn't long so and that's why i liked it because if i spend anything if i haven't gotten it on the day that i'm making the song like i don't think i'm gonna like the song afterwards because i'm having to think about it too much so everything on there was just i was in such a vibe that's why when i listen to that i'm like yeah when I, even when i listen to high of this i was like man i was having fun when i was making that so i can i can hear yeah like even when <laughs> my friend <laughs> one of my best friends was laughing at the fact that like in some of my songs i go woo, because <laughs> <laughs> i'm legit, literally in my room recording it like this is hot <laughs> this is why I'm like woo <laughs> if it's not giving me those feelings then it's gonna if if I've got to write like the next verse another day if it's like a week later or something like that then it doesn't I don't know I just don't get the I don't it wouldn't make the album that's how it, it feels mm. so actually in terms of the songs that are on Honeymoon that stuff was easy to do do by myself and then it did it did have um it does sorry has dt soul playing keys on and um is he box. the guy cuz i saw blue lab recently yeah. is he, does he perform he did yeah. the track with blue lab didn't yeah. he yeah and he does a talk box yeah the so best, cool literally i think right now on the planet no i know on the planet he's the best talk box player there's a few and i've seen a few here in london daniel's the best 
I think even when I hear it on like big American records, I had something recently, I can't think of whose album it was. Daniel's still better than that. He's coming with his solo stuff anyways. Like I'm my like I think one of my jobs in this country is I'm supp- I always think I keep saying this I think I'm supposed to be an A&R yeah I saw I think, you tweet that the other day <laughs> somebody just needs to give me a million dollars man for <laughs> I keep meeting like I said um well in the tweet I was just I keep meeting people and I'm like the own like I'm I'm finding these incredible artists early like as well before they've even really peaked but they're not releasing anything yet or they're working on stuff yet. They're not visible. They're not as visible as like I, as they deserve to be. Mm. And like Daniel's one of those people who I've known now for about six years. And like he's having a moment right now though, I know. And like people are recognizing it. Can you can just see people like booking him for sessions, putting mm. him on albums and stuff like that. When his solo stuff comes, it's gonna blow people's mind. Because he can do everything. He can produce he plays beautiful beautiful piano so he's played in my band for the last few years but talk box he's the best now to do to have an artist who's singing voices a talk box and be as good as him because sometimes the talk box is not annoying but like it's not mm. soothing his mm-hmm. talk box voice is so smooth because he grew up on like 90 old school r&b so he's like the tank or the like genuine of the talk box yeah, yeah. world like he can he riffs man he just got so much flavor so it's like, a, such an amazing element to a live show as well yeah, when yeah. no one's expecting it as well and it just comes out everyone just goes berserk exactly yeah. i remember there's a few times i did a show or i've done shows with him and like i can do we could be 35 minutes into the show the two minutes that daniel does a talk box solo is the loudest (laughs) the crowd is the whole night the more the phones come out all of a sudden there's like beams of light from everyone's phone because everyone's filming him like that is like uh what you call it i can't even describe it just he has a real gift and like it's very it's very apparent like you can't miss it and everyone has the same reaction every single time they hear him Mm. yeah so that's next step for you a and r yep <laughs> someone just needs to, I didn't get hired at a record label then yeah definitely I really have like if I just if I had record label money because I think I have I have I understand what it takes to have a record label it's just the money is the difference I would have a roster already I know exactly who I would sign right now nice definitely I'm not going to say though because somebody else is going to try and sign them so yeah, yeah. and would you, <laughs> do you reckon you'd, champ, you'd be championing like a certain type of sound or would you be sort of like stone's throw where they just if if you like it you'll release it mostly it would be in the jazz hip-hop so the kind of like soulful r&b trap kind of like world a little bit of like indie as well but i'm very much i'm a fusion person so definitely if i find someone that is outside of that realm and i believe in them then yep but Right now, the people that are in my mind for my roster, they're also kind of like in my world. And but my world has loads of different offshoots and stuff. Mm. Like that, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the moment, you're obviously producing yeah lots of beats. What is your? You get home, you're like, do you say I'm gonna spend like I'm gonna spend three or four hours now making beats, or is it just? it sort of pours out of you and just it's as and when or do you sort of are you fairly structured with it or you just it depends what sort of mood you're in it's a mix yeah it depends for the last since like 
the beginning of December, I've made a beat every single day. But I've been doing like a, I've been doing a, a challenge in a way, but just with myself, I haven't been like broadcasting it so much. But I've just been Until trying now. to. Huh? Until, Until now. now. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I don't want anyone to hold me to it. That's the only thing. But I've been actively like making music i session so much anyways i always have people over so i'm like i'm kind of forced to but every single day i do something even if it's just a loop or if it's just sampling something flipping something i do something every day and the last since the beginning of january it's been like okay i've finished i've fit i've definitely finished a produced song most days most days if i'm home anyways um so it's like right now it's a conscious effort to make something every day but I'm not like I don't have to I just I want to because it's practice and then I've been hanging around with this guy called Michael goes by money money mics and he's an engineer very very young guy but just really just he's a bit of he's a bit of a genius so like I've been having him over and he's just been teaching me certain things about engineering and the thing is when I learn something new like if I learn a really good technique for mixing in a particular way I'm gonna want to make a track and use that technique and because I've been hanging around with people that are teaching me so much recently I'm just making so much music and like I use Studio One, and this is a quick plug because I love Personas so much, <laughs> and then they love me too. So, yeah, shout out Personas, yay. <laughs> um, they have so many cool, um, what are, like, effects that you can do in it. The one thing I've been messing around with a lot now is one thing that Studio One can do is it can detect the chords in anything. So, if you have like a a song you throw a song into studio one you hit this button it's a button it's just the simplest thing it says detect chords and then it extracts the chords like uh, into a chord track so literally it tells you this is f minor into g minor into e major seven it literally is just written there but the thing is that's cool because then i know what the chords are for every single song but it has this incredible reharmonizing like but it's just another it's like a reel and literally you can change any chord to any other chord so i can literally have a song and completely reharmonize it but i don't know how i can't even say how it does that so i've just been taking stuff like that i could never imagine even being able to sample you can it, just because you can do that i can mash together like 10 different songs wow, because i can cool. put every song into the same key i can take a chord that is one chord and change it to any other chord and just just so i can have the vocal part of one song and i can have the bass or whatever of something else so that just means that i'm like spending now that i'm like refining that technique i'm spending so much time just practicing that and then from practicing i end up just making new music on accident mm. so yeah it's crazy so it's like the geek is it like geeking out is a big part Defo. of it big part Definitely. of it yeah i think from the, right this minute because <clears throat> i made so much music last year I think, and then also because I've been hearing so many other people's projects, now I'm in a place where I'm just like, I'm not so much focused on making any more new music because I'm when I have lots. It's just, I'm like, now I have to get better. I think when you make music, you kind of are f frozen in time because I don't know about everybody, but I tend to stop listening so much to stuff around because I want to focus on like a story that I want to tell or something. Because I'm like outside of that. Now I'm listening to everything and I'm like, I have to grow now. So how do I get better? So 
now there's a lot of geeking out in terms of like the engineering side of like music and the production side and like even just writing I've been writing some like really interesting stories in songs now stuff that I probably wasn't even like brave enough to say before so I'm just practicing still though mm. yeah that's cool and was it were there role models around you or any mentors that got you into producing in the first place or did you just sort of yeah. take it upon yourself to be like I'm just going to I'm going to learn this I'm going to figure this out um this is going to show my age a little bit or like every answer I have to this question but right when I started I was 11 years old when I got um what is I think I had audacity and then I got like a crack of FL studio fruity loops back then and some other thing. And I was even using Windows Movie Maker to make songs back then. That was just... And you have to imagine then there wasn't any... There wasn't YouTube. Again, just what I'm saying. It's going to show my age because I was 11 and there wasn't YouTube. There wasn't YouTube, so there was no tutorials. I wasn't... You're too young at 11 to be around anyone that, like, makes music. I didn't know anyone that made music then at all. Um, but I just loved music so much. And I knew that, like, I could beatbox when I was 11. So I was just like, I know then, therefore, I kind of understand how to make beats. So I was kind of, like, teaching myself then. Then when I got to 15 or 16, I started putting out stuff on um, MySpace again. MySpace. Just, MySpace. Those were the days, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> but I was, I, was on, I was one of the lucky MySpaces who, like... Because it was quite easy to become popular on MySpace, but it was just, like, not everyone did. So I could say I definitely was, like lucky because I got quite popular on MySpace and then made a real one once I once I got gained that popularity on MySpace I had people sending me beats I had I started working with people over the internet which is crazy so I was like 16 and like working with American artists and stuff like that they weren't particularly big but they were in a different country and that was a big deal back then mm. this is all still before there was like well I think YouTube was kind of just coming at that point but like before people were even using like we weren't DMing each other on Instagram and Twitter and stuff mm -hmm. like that then those things were just not yeah. there was Facebook but like that's as much as like you were people... giving in, you were giving people your love on Bebo and stuff yeah exactly <laughs> literally that it was literally that so it's like so I started collaborating with people then and then that's when I got to know okay there's other people that are like out here making beats and like they sound so much better than me and I'm asking questions about how they're doing stuff like that then luckily I took like that um, the crowd that I'd got like garnered on MySpace into that like SoundCloud wave that happened and like I was very lucky to kind of um I don't know how it even happened I can't say but kind of get swept into there was a real like there was a cult mentality with SoundCloud at one point where it's just like everyone even though we're all just like avatars on this thing everyone just knew like the hot soundcloud pages and stuff mm. like that i was lucky to get swept in with a few of those and then obviously like selection and stuff like that and then once that kind of happened then i started having like sick producers saying i want to have like i released some stuff sick sick producers would send me beats and then I, at that point i was just like i make beats too but knowing that my beats are nothing like these guys but then i'd get into sessions with people and then like and that's the best way to learn for me anyways I'd be with people whose music I admire so much and they would just show me how they do whatever like I'd be sat there watching people do certain things and like at that point I mean when I was in uni I went to uni and Alphamist you know obviously I'm yeah, yeah. I, can, I can't say does anyone know at this point <laughs> everybody knows who Alphamist is yeah. so we worked on a project called um, Epoch in 2000 and we made it in 2012 and 13 and released in 2014 and like watching him make 
music there's times we were making some of the songs just in my room and like he would just play chords put the drums and bass down it'll be done in seconds and like obviously when I'm watching someone like that who's just so musical it like just made it I just got I understood what his process was very quickly people like Rom too um I'm nobody we never really had any sessions in the same room but he'd send so many beats and I'd learn so much just from hearing like his growth as well then luckily there's been so many I've been in like so it's sort of like you were in there as a singer but observing as a producer, as a producer always yeah. in like at this point I feel like I've met every producer that I've not all, not Timberland and Pharrell and stuff like that, but like the ones that are within reach. I've met so many of them and I've seen what they do. Like I've watched them produce people like Monty Booker. Are you familiar with Monty Booker? Mm. From, like he's the Soul Action World, works with Smino and stuff like that. He was in my room. This was last year, and like he made beats. I've never seen. Like, I've watched people make beats lots and lots of times over the years. I've never seen anything quite like his process. It doesn't even make sense. It's <laughs> like, he doesn't even use the, like, sequence of the way you're supposed to. So, like, that in itself just shows me there's that he's just a vessel for music. So, watching a lot of his techniques, it completely changed why I even understood of production, at least what I'd seen other people do. And, like, he's another person that's just like, just watch what I do and I'll show you how I do it. So, I just picked up a lot from watching him and then I mean I went to the playlist retreat last August the what the playlist, playlist retreat. retreat with Jazz, uh, Jazzy Jeff's uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff at his house he does this uh, retreat where he invites there was a hundred and I think it was 150 I keep I don't know why the number slips for me now maybe 120 different artists producers and DJs to his house which obviously is not a house it's a big <laughs> <laughs> massive <laughs> place it's an estate <laughs> And, like, everyone stays in, like, caravans that hold, like, six people each. And there's loads across this big field. And then he has this huge studio. But then he has, like, huge other studios underneath his house. And then he's got, like, massive stuff. And obviously there's 120 artists, producers and DJs there jamming, producing music. Wow. It's, like, it's a week of... Everyone's there as well. Like Questlove was there, Robert Glasper, Terrace Martin. Wow. Red. Is this, like, a publicised yeah. thing? When you're there, it's all top secret, so you're not allowed to tweet or anything. You're not allowed to say where you are. And then on the last day, they're like, okay, now you can tell the, tell the world. So all the videos you have, you're like posting it and stuff like that. But whilst you're there, it's a retreat. It's like you that aren't... so supposed- cool. It's mad. It's the best. It's one of the best experiences I've ever had of my whole entire life. And um, I learned so much. It also gave me a lot of like... How do I describe it? It's like... Oh, hope and ease it just kind of like the fact that i could get there and i hadn't even released my album wasn't even released before i got there i felt like yes, how do you what's the how do you get there i'm not trying to get myself in. <laughs> how <laughs> no, do i get there it was like <laughs> it was so much more organic every whenever anyone asks it seems it's so it's actually very simple it's very very simple so what had happened is october the year before 2018 I got asked to do a show. So Jazzy Jeff is touring around, I think, a world at that point. And his MC is an awesome guy who I love so much called Dane Jordan. And, like, on one of the days on the tour, they have a break and they're in London for two days. So on the second night, um, Dane says he wants to do a show called... He does a show called No Place Like Home 
back in Philly. He wants to do one here in London. They'd connected with a guy called Sean Granham. Do you know, are you familiar with Sean Granham? So, he no. has a like a collective called Stay Cool. It's reasonably new as well. So then I, I think, think I've heard of Stay Cool. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to be growing. Um, he so Sean had uh, interviewed Jeff like July before or something like that. They've come back to London. Dane hits up Sean saying, I want to do No Place Like Home here in London. Who are some artists that you would recommend? Then I get the call from Sean saying, Dane, who is Jazzy Jeff's... I I don't think I'd met Dane before. No, I hadn't. Who's Jazzy Jeff's MC is looking for people to do the show. Now, he says it's not going to be paid, though, because it's a free show and it's, like, literally on the night of their break and stuff like that. And, like... I was in two minds because I was just like, it seems a bit random, but also chances are if Jeff is actually, who knows if he's going to come because it's the rest day. So he might just stay in the hotel and then go and do this show. I don't know who Dane is at this point, but I trust Sean as well. But it was also like I was in a, there was a lot of other stuff happening. So I wasn't 100% sure I was going to do it. But then after I was just like, no, just do it. You just never know Mm. what's going to happen or like what relationships you're going to get from that. So I said yes to doing it. Get there on the day, doing the show, meet Dane. He's absolutely lovely. He's there with, like, I think one or two other people. No Jeff, no anybody else. So I was just like, okay, maybe he's not going to be here this night. But we're going to have a good... Where's Jeff? <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. But also, I was just like... I was, like, the 70% in my mind sure that he wasn't coming anyway. So I was just going to... I was just committed to doing the show, having a good night. Myself, my manager, um, Daniel, and his girlfriend, slash DJ Pineapples, Vanessa... We all go to get um, food in, what's this, Box Park. Come back, go into the little dressing room where we've left everything. As soon as we walk in, obviously not expecting anyone to be in there, Jazzy Jeff sat there with Rhyme Fest, with another guy called DJ Zimmy, who is like one of my favourite people on the planet ever. Um, Another guy called, who else was in there? Another guy called David. What's this guy's name? Jim. I can't remember his last name now. Either way, just really, really cool guys. A lot of them like journalists, DJs and stuff like that. So obviously I was like, <gasps> as soon as I've walked in, met Jeff. Everyone's having like a ball of a time. This is before the show. Everyone's just talking in this tiny little green room. So we met there. The ice is completely broken. I say to Jeff, are you going to come and watch when I'm performing? It was strange because even though it was Dane's show, I ended up headlining it. So I was doing, I was the the final act. And like, it's in Miranda. So it's not even a big space mm. as well. So like... And it's a PA set too, so everyone can come close, you can really hear me and stuff like that. Jeff is like, here, I'm singing here, I have a great show, like the energy was perfect, I think from the joke, because of the jokes in the green room, like the energy was just there. As soon as I hit the stage, I was like having a ball of a time, reception was great. Stayed talking with the guys afterwards, like hit it off so, so, so well, that when... Um, like when we were finished, Jeff was like, send some music. My manager sent him some music. Then he sent me some beats because he wanted me to be on some beats of his. And I, like I made, I've made a song with Jazzy Jeff before the playlist retreat. Then he comes back to London. I think it was like March, April for a show at Electric Brixton. And he invites us down there. So like I said, can I get like eight triple a bands literally like eight (laughs) all of literally like i took all of my friends and we were upstairs um, in electric brixton with jazzy jeff and his team as well in there in his green room and neo was performing that night too and a few other people 
And then as I was like, just where you're sitting right now, Jeff's there and I'm here like on a couch because there's like eight of us. Everyone's like kind of sitting on like the edge of couches and stuff like in this like <laughs> tiny little, this was it's supposed to be for him. I brought all of my friends here and then I said, Jeff, um, what did I, how did I say? I just said, the episode of the playlist retreat. I mean, I've been thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you just put <laughs> it on him. <laughs> I was just like, I've been thinking about it and he's like, don't worry, Em, I got you. And I was like, no, seriously, like, I would really, it would, I really would like to go. He's just like, don't worry, I really got you. Like, I've been, he's like, I've really been thinking about that. And I was just like, oh, no, it'll be so, I was like, okay, I trust you, I trust you. After that point, it was like three, maybe three weeks later, I get the email from his manager saying, hey, we would like to invite you out to the Playlist Retreat. I was like, what? Wow. That must have been nervy three weeks. I didn't like, even know when someone's so know. chilled they're just like I got you it's like exactly. no seriously am I going <laughs> literally and he was like he he was almost like I'm not going to say anything because I just didn't believe him mm. and when I got the email I was just like at no point did I think I was even in, I was going to get the email because I thought when I'm in London everyone that goes is based in America and it's like to fly out there like they'd have to handle me whereas with everybody else they just get a training everyone else does on the like at the playlist retreat they've been going for the, like, the last four years that it was happening and it's all huge people i was thinking what am i like how would i really end up out there but like he had real 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 like faith in me and like it's a real relationship that we've had because since we met in october like we actually talked like i don't have many relationships like that where like i could see someone actually like a human being more so than like a really massive star that I'm trying to like work with or have some proximity to like when I went to his house it was like going to my friend's house or like my do you know what I mean like someone I knew and he really like his family really took me in like that too and like we ate just ate food like just normal people stuff (laughs) it was just crazy so so what was the actual format of um, like the week in terms of jamming when there's that many artists there what is paint paint me a picture of what actually happens on a sort of day-to-day basis on this so because it's huge there's studios everywhere there's dj stuff set everywhere set up everywhere there's loads of different companies so like pioneers there's serratos there uh distro kid came there's loads of like i don't know companies that were sponsoring neural neurophones have you seen neurophone headphones oh, yeah. uh Loads of them. So one, there's loads of like, um, what's the word? When you do kind of like one-on-one workshops. What's, there's a word for it. Clinics. That's it. Okay, so they have, yeah, yeah. You, could, you can like have a clinic with distro kids, say, or whatever, like music supervisors there. So you can go and talk to people about getting syncs. Then there were challenges. Then like, so there was DJ challenges, like who can do mixing and whatever. Then there's music making challenges. There were, there were massages on the first night. Like we all got massages. It was crazy. This is, it was insane. There was, so in the studio, because this it's a big studio, there's loads of instruments. The jams are going and it's constantly being recorded. There were three um, studio engineers there. They're like massive producers are there as well. Um, and then just everyone seems to be of like world class musician anyway. So like the jam is just going constantly. Someone might just walk in, pick up the bass. It goes. Ten people are jamming, and then that person might say, "Well, I just want to go to the toilet." So somebody else picks up the bass, and it's just like just so happens to be some famous person playing. It's like it's literally like on a conveyor belt of musicians just going through the studio, and it that kind of like was constantly like that. But outside of that, 
one, it was so much socializing as well because the point is that you are surrounded by the people who are the who are making up the landscape of of that world of music. So it's like get to know these people because not only will these be people that you're going to meet at the top at some point they're going to be people you're going to work with now and create some magic with and Mm. the point is it's like connect with them and know them in real life because the internet is is great like you can tweet someone and send beats over but like there's nothing like playing basketball with like i was playing basketball like devin devin morrison is someone who i'm just i've been obsessed with since the minute i heard his music to turn up there as soon as i saw his face i screamed and i ran and i jumped (laughs) on him i was like devin to play basketball with someone who you never think you're ever going to meet, it changes things completely. Like, mm. to actually... I was, I was going to say, did you have like, right, there's 120 people here. What order? <laughs> what are my, who are my priorities in terms of like meeting and speaking to? This one bit that I missed is that before you get there, you have no clue who else is coming. And until you, then you get there and you, they log you in and there's an app then you see the list of everyone that's there. It's crazy. It's like some futuristic (laughs) stuff. Like when I got there, I was just like, this is is insane. Then you start looking at the names and and can I swear? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're shitting yourself because I'm like, Red Man is here. I was like, what? Legit, like the names that I was seeing, I was like, I don't even know if... I'm not even excited anymore. Now I'm just scared. So it's just like, yes, I want to meet all of these people. At the same time, it's like, I'm actually me. It's not that I'm like, it's a moment like at, after a show or something where you get to be like, I'm going to love your music so much. Okay, bye. This is like, I'm going to be with you for a week and we're going to have serious conversations. And like, not only am I looking at you, but you're also looking at me. So there's just like that fear of scrutiny and stuff like that. Mm. We're making music around these people too, who I've grown up listening to. Like, And are you recording music or is the idea that you're just there to like create and be sort of switched off from? It's a mix. Everything was recorded, but because it's like, you can't, on at the playlist playlist retreat you can't like um what's the word you can't really document who's on what song because at every moment people are changing like even midway for a song the drummer's changing because like he just gets bored and somebody else jumps on so you don't know if you're listening to the record you wouldn't know who was playing and stuff like that so it is being recorded so it's, it exists on hard drives but it's mainly for practice and mainly for bonding and mainly for like everyone sharing their skills and really like pushing they want to it's like pushing the boat forward it's mm. like here's something for the culture this does have a really massive impact because since when i look at people's albums now i understand how the collaborations happen with certain albums when mac Ayers dropped his um album and there's uh tiffany goucher on there and dj harrison and amir and amir's dj jeff's dj jazzy's jeff's son i'm like you guys are actually just at the retreat and then you go away from this and you're actually on Mac Air's album now. And it's like, that's, yeah, that's like, yes, that's the thing that comes out of it. Wow. And that's crazy. I hope everyone listening enjoyed that <laughs> whole period as much as I did. <laughs> I was so, so mad. Yeah, it was crazy. And when was that? When did that happen? That was August last year. August last year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so you, yeah, you've been just collaborating a lot left right and centre yeah massively like right before I went to on the Her Songs trip for the two yeah, weeks that's what in I was Toronto I knew that was what was coming <laughs> <laughs> just beat me to it it was literally like the new I, track's amazing thank you so good it's crazy that one I'm happy that it came out first that was just the last song at least that I was on that was the last song it was the last day of making music where we split off into two groups because it was like you have seven days to make eight songs the first six days we make the first six songs and then on the 
Seventh Day broke off, so it was me and Marie, and then the other girls made another song, and it's it was like but at that point we we're kind of tired as as well as like you're you're physically but emotionally drained because you've just been like having to push everything more so than you would ordinarily and like that song in the beginning it was I felt like it was hard for me to feel like I wanted to make music that day and then it like it, there's just a point where you just push through and then it just happens and that's how that song came about it was like that feeling of like I almost gave up and then like all of a sudden boom we have a song it was like magic like that what were the sort of pieces of the song the elements of the song that were sort of in place or or what part of the sort of production was it when the penny dropped or was it someone singing or um so the thing that's that was there that stayed is marie's keys so the keys on the song is or marie and then we sat and like we came up with the melodies and the words but like everything else from the drum beat to the bass to like all of the other elements in there i could not come up with anything for like a few hours knowing that we only had a, we only had like a matter of hours to get it done and I so was you didn't like, like stop what you were doing and people <laughs> people always say like oh when you like hit creative block like stop do something else you just kept pushing or i think i went to make food and like had lunch <laughs> then it was like okay leave me with this for a bit and I think I remember everyone else was sitting the way that the the room is is that like this we set up a studio here and then the kitchen's on the other end there and I just remember being by myself and like just kind of the drum beat was something completely different before like just like a normal kind of like and I was like this is boring I just felt like the song was boring so then I like remade the drums and the beat and then I, it was I think it was people's reactions to me doing that by myself like Marie and like Emily coming up and saying that sounds really good Emily yeah. and I was just like yeah actually. yeah the beat's wicked my Thank girlfriend's you. massively into like bashment stuff and that yeah. bit when Marie comes in yeah my girl, I just saw I just saw my girlfriend prick up and she was like what's this yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love that I think we were really trying to like channel some it is obviously that's that's a bit more of a current sound but with a really old soul sound because definitely started as like an old more soul of school sounding more soulful song and I was just like nah let's put like a bit of an afro swing mm. on the drums and then when it came to writing because then that's when Marie came in and we put her verse like started writing her verse and I was just like now nah, we want to we want to give it that kind of like afro and that, that cadence yeah. and then it was just like we have a song and then it's the minute, the minute that happened everything else happened and then like then I did like the drop on the bridge yeah, that's very cool. Thank you. That was at some point, like maybe one or two in the morning. I don't know what even possessed me to do it. Yeah, I love almost... stuff like that and like ride outs. I just yeah. like love that sort of stuff. You can just tell that people are just... Like, I was like, whoever do that, I assumed it was you doing that because I seen yeah. the videos and stuff. I was like, oh, I bet she really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely did. I think I needed it. Yeah. It's like, that was like my final release. Ah, the, the song the last song is done and this is me like that that element there is like this is what I'd do if I was in my bedroom right now mm. so then that's how that happened and how did that overall experience of the her songs in Toronto compare to uh, LA yeah both in terms of sort of like creatively and the sort of surroundings what's the end of that sentence <laughs> what was the sort of the creative experience like in Toronto compared in, in, to compare, okay yeah how so, do they sort of how do they differ uh, you know I feel like if you believe in God or the power of the universe or anything I feel like that 
going to her songs was like the best preparation I could have possibly had. They're very different experiences. They're both effectively writing camps with two very different outcomes. But like the pressure that was one in the play street is zero pressure. People went there, which I think is insane. But some people went there because they've been going for so many years and did nothing. So they didn't jam. They didn't go to any of the clinics. They didn't, well, maybe they went to a few, but they didn't make the most of it. Just shoot some hoops and get yeah. a massage. And get a bit high sometimes. <laughs> exactly, legit. Like, and yeah. eat because there's food all of the time. Mm-hmm. And like hang with your friends more than anything. Because like, they've been going for a few years at this point. That was the fifth year, but some people had been there every single, all four years. So it was like a catch up. There's a week hanging around with this. Mm-hmm. And it's 120 people. So you can kill five <laughs> days with 120. Yeah. You definitely can see the whole time fly. So like... There was no pressure there, whereas with her songs, it was like, day one, we've got to make a song today, and by the end of the day, we need to have like at least a rough mix, and then we have to shoot an interview video for the morning time we're going to release the video, and the next day, as soon as we've done lunch, we have to do this. That was every single day, back to back, and then there's a show at the end, so then there's rehearsals. So it's like there was so much pressure. Uh-huh. I'd only met, I'd only, of everyone there, I only knew Marie. So actually, I met everybody else for the first time on the first day, and like, so it's like, I don't even know how you guys work musically. I've not been a part of her songs because her songs existed the year before. So you all have a relationship already. So it's just like, and then I know that my sound is... Oh, so you weren't in LA? No, in her songs, we were in Toronto. And then in, what do you call it? Then for the Players Retreat, we were in Delaware. So it's like... Ah, because they did a they did a, their project before in LA, but you weren't there. Yeah. Ah, that's why you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then, what do you call it? The, what are the... I just lost my chain of thought just then. But, yeah, the year before... Oh, so basically what happens with her songs, it happens in a different... It will happen in a different... I don't know, a different country because it was Canada and America. Probably not different. Maybe it'll be a different country every year, but definitely a different city. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they had a year of time to, know, to have known each other or to know each other and have already made a project beforehand. So going into that situation for me was like, I make very, very different experimental music and I can't always control what comes out of me all of the time because it is based on like... I might just hear something and be like, I'm going to make trap today just because I heard something, even though like the whole week I've been making like R&B and jazz or something. So I'm like, who knows what's going to happen when I go into this room with very soulful, but like they're more veering into like soul and like indie and Mm. a bit more, it's a bit more softer. Whereas I've been really like making a lot of knocking beats and stuff like that. So there was a lot of pressure there, but it was great practice because it's like, once you just put all of the doubt to the side, then it's like I have four other incredible musician, producer, singer, songwriters. We can make anything happen with these songs. And that's effectively what we did. Like the first day, maybe it took it. No, actually, the first song came out really quickly, but maybe it didn't yet sound like anything. That's how I felt. Mm. The second day was just like, oh my God, we are a super group. That's how <laughs> it felt. It's like, oh we get We got piano right now, five harmonies right now. It was just like, we were like, I don't know, like Murder Inc. or something like that. Like like do you know what I mean? Like we can do anything. Yeah. We're a super group. And that's how the rest of it felt. Once, like, you crack this seal, we can do anything as a group. Wow. So yeah. inspiring. That was crazy. We're running out of time. I know. We do have I a imagine. few um, 
quick fire questions okay. to wrap things up. Yeah. An hour just absolutely flies by. I'm sorry, I can talk too much. <laughs> it's been great. It's been great. <laughs> um, so, what's been your favorite collaboration and your dream collaboration? Uh, my, f- oh, I can't say a favorite. I can say, oh, that feels unfair because... An enjoyable, an extremely enjoyable collaboration. I still can't <laughs> say that. I can't say there's one that's a favourite because I, I think I am like one of the most collaborative artists that exists. So mm-hmm. I've collaborated like 50 or 60 times and I can't say someone is my favourite. I, I think there's certain songs that are standout songs mm-hmm. that have probably just stuck with everyone else more which will probably be like Murder with um, Rom Defoe and Drew Vandal. Um, maybe Deeper with I'm Nobody. But I, I can't say that like those are my favourite. Those are the ones I work with a lot. And Alpha Miss, yeah. obviously, with Eve, Easily I Forget on our Epoch EP. But so Dream, can you have Dream? Pharrell, Williams, Timberland, Missy Elliott. Yeah, okay. Good shout. <laughs> um, favourite plugin? Uh Oh... Um, battery for Native Instruments. Yep. Uh, singing or producing? Uh, most days producing. And then, top tip for beginner producers? Um, oh, a top tip. Or top tips, don't feel top stressed tips. to just come up with one. Um, read the instruction manuals. Mm-hmm. That's my top tip is I spent years trying to figure like if I just re- if you read the instruction manual, it will almost teach you how to produce because a lot of the problem with not knowing how to produce is not knowing what the door does. Like the minute you actually read the the manual and figure out what every single button does, the only thing you have to then be able to do is come up with ideas because it will show you how to make those ideas happen. A lot of people are stumbled like or they stumble at the fact that they have an idea they don't know how to make it happen but the instruction manual actually tells you quite a lot mm. yeah that's one of my top tips I'd okay say. wise words <laughs> it's yeah. great i was actually i was i was planning on touching on why there's like a lack of female mm. um like music producers in the industry yeah. but i'm kind of glad we didn't even get onto it because what could be more inspiring to hear than you hanging out at the playlist <laughs> retreat with like quest loving people, so yeah, or even her songs with four other mus- uh, female producers. You yeah. know that, like we've all found each other. Yeah, yeah, super, super inspiring. Thanks. Well, sadly, we've run out of time. Yeah, um, but it's been a real pleasure. It's been a pleasure here. To and yeah, that. excited for all the music that's on the way. Got you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Nice Thank one. Thank you for having me.